0: And on this week's show, we talk about the football tournament at the Tokyo Paralympics. Also, we look at Senegal's great run at the FIFA Beach Soccer World Cup in Russia. And with the group stage of qualifying for the 2022 FIFA World Cup beginning next Wednesday, many African countries will be without their English Premier League players as they'll not be released for international matches being played in red list countries. Also, we speak to Zambia and Brighton midfielder Enoch Mwepu, who's moved from RB Salzburg on getting the chance to play in Europe.
1: I think for me, I, 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 I was prepared already that uh, any a move can come.
0: That's coming later. Also, lots to talk about in the English Premier League. We ask what impact Romelu Lukaku is going to make at Chelsea. But let's start at the 2020 Paralympic Games in Tokyo, Japan, where there's a men's five-a-side football tournament starting on Sunday, with eight teams taking part and Morocco representing Africa. Morocco have group games against Argentina, Thailand and Spain coming up. Uh, Tell us more, Ida.
2: Well, it's interesting that Africa has only recently started participating in the Paralympics, Steve, because football was introduced at the Paralympics back in 2004. That was in the Athens Games. But we're talking the 2016 Games in Rio, you know, as Africa's maiden participation. And Morocco represented the continent there as well. So it's safe to say that the North African country is doing pretty well in para football, also, but I do think that it's important to first understand just what this five-a-side football is, you know, that's featuring in the Paralympics. Well, it's a version of football for athletes with visual impairments, including blindness, and uh, depending on the competition, Steve, this is then further broken down to the different levels of visual impairment. So this is actually pretty interesting stuff, Steve, because a uh, veteran Moroccan defender Imad Berka has previously told stories of actually having to put gravel in the football, you know, just so that they could hear it back when he was in a school for the blind growing up. It's really interesting stuff. As for... Morocco, well, Morocco is the most experienced African side, at least when it comes to this, uh, because they are multiple African champions. They've taken part in the world championships. And as we've just mentioned, the last Olympic Games. Now, they drew one match and lost two in the 2016 Games. And uh, one of those losses was a 3-1 loss to reigning champions Brazil. But if you ask me at least... It was a moment of pride to score against the Giants, you know, and keep the lead well into the second half to a point where it looked like they might have actually broken Brazil's undefeated record, you know, before, of course, the South Americans came back to win it 3-1. Uh, nonetheless, the Atlas Lions qualified for the Tokyo Games after beating Mali 5-1. That was back in 2019 uh, in the African Championships final that was in Enugu, Nigeria. As for looking ahead to the Games in 2021, well, they are in a tough group, Steve, that also features former world champions Argentina, who were also bronze medalists in Rio. Uh, Spain and Thailand are the other teams in the group, both of which Morocco has met previously in the World Championship. So at least the Atlas Lions won't be in totally unfamiliar grounds.
0: Well, so we'll see how Morocco get on in the five-a-side football at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. The football starts on Sunday. There's been some great competition in other sports already. Now also in international competition, the FIFA Beach Soccer World Cup ends in Moscow, Russia this weekend, with Senegal having become the first African team ever to reach the semi-finals. This after they came back to beat five-time champions Brazil, 5-4 after extra time, in a very exciting quarter-final match. The other African team in the 16-team tournament, Mozambique, went out at the group stage. Senegal will play Japan in the semifinals on Saturday and win or lose, it's been a fantastic tournament for them. Now the group stage of qualifying for African teams for the 2022 FIFA World Cup in Qatar begins next Wednesday with the opening two rounds of matches being played in the space of eight days. Now, countries including Egypt, Zambia and Zimbabwe have been dealt a blow as English Premier League clubs have unanimously decided not to release their players for international matches being played in red-list countries. The English Premier League say they strongly support the club's decision. It applies to around 60 players from 19 clubs who are due to travel to 26 red-list countries in this upcoming international window. Uh, those arriving from red-list countries must spend 10 days in quarantine. So Egypt will be without Liverpool's Mohamed Salah, uh, Zambia won't have Leicester's Patson or Brighton's Enoch Mwepu, and Zimbabwe will miss marvellous Nakamba of Aston Villa. And many other players from countries, including Mali and Ghana, also will not be allowed to travel. And at this stage, it looks likely that clubs in the English Football League, that's the Championship and the lower divisions, will also hold on to their players. And on Wednesday, the FIFA president Gianni Infantino wrote to the British Prime Minister Boris Johnson seeking travel exemptions for players. And the Confederation of African Football also urged the British government to provide exemptions, uh, but the UK government told Sky News that public health is their top priority and that there's no way that the rules can be relaxed for professional footballers. Well, this will be a big blow for the affected countries, obviously. Um, Is it fair? Could FIFA have done more, Ida?
2: Well, it's definitely a bitter pill to swallow, Steve. And it's one of those situations, honestly, where everyone feels that they have a point, you know, because... The governing body has definitely come under criticism for, you know, squeezing in more World Cup qualifiers in the period coming up. Uh, Don't forget that FIFA actually extended the September and October international windows that was in South America by two days to catch up on postponed fixtures. Now, of course, they will blame effects of covid Looking at the Premier League, well, does the EPL also have a basis for their decision? Yes, absolutely. I mean, look at what happened to Mo Salah and Mohamed Elneny, for example. The last time they were out on national duty, caught COVID, and they couldn't leave Egypt until they tested negative, meaning that was an extended stay in their home country. Let's look at the national teams. Well, they have a point as well. You know, they will be hard hit by the players absence. And as we all know, you know, oftentimes, frankly, if not all the time, the players plying their trade in the English Premier League tend to be the stars of their countries. But you never know, Steve, maybe this will be an opportunity to produce other stars, you know? So looking at this, everyone honestly has a point, Steve, pretty much. And the result is a very volatile yet interesting conundrum, you know, and I mean, we have seen milder forms of this much milder, though, I will say, you know, with the whole club versus country row back in the day when uh, some coaches, but most famously, Alex Ferguson, you know, would refuse to release his players. But definitely this is against the backdrop of a global pandemic. And unlike last season, Steve, when FIFA granted exemptions to clubs for such, this time the clubs could face FIFA sanctions if they refuse to release these players.
0: Yeah, thanks, Ida. It's a tricky one, this. And asking for your thoughts on social media this week, is the English Premier League fair to ban players from travelling to red-list countries? So with the World Cup qualifiers on next week, lots of countries around Africa will be affected uh, as the English Premier League clubs have decided not to release players for matches played in red-list countries. Uh, FIFA and CAF both asked the UK government to grant exemptions uh, but uh, it looks as though it's not going to happen so is this fair for African football and could the English Premier League or FIFA have done more for the African interest you can post a comment on our Facebook page that's planet sport football africa or send us a whatsapp to +447955232780 that's +447955232780 Is the English Premier League fair to ban players from travelling to red-list countries? Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, it's an exciting English Premier League season for fans in Zambia, as Patson Daka became the third Zambian to join an English Premier League club, moving to Leicester, and just a week later, Enoch Mwepu became the fourth. Now, Brighton signed midfielder Mwepu from Austrian club RB Salzburg on a four-year deal. He was Patsendaka's teammate in Austria. Now, 23-year-old Mwepu had been with Salzburg since 2017. He made 81 league appearances for RB Salzburg with 11 goals and 9 assists. Now, in this interview from our archive, recorded in 2018, Liam Flint spoke to Mwepu in Austria on his football and his faith, first on getting that move to play in Europe.
1: Yes, my ultimate dream was to play in Europe one day. I kept the faith in myself and I kept talking about it all the time. When I would tell my boys, "There, one day I'm going to reach my dream of playing one day big, 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 big in Europe. But the most difficult thing is how to move from Africa coming here to Europe. That is the most difficult thing. Maybe
0: we face a challenge, but thank God that today I I live my dream. I'm playing in Europe, and uh, I'm I'm willing that one day I will will still play to the top-top team in Europe. You got your wish. How did the move happen? Was it a surprise?
1: I think it's not a surprise for me. It requires hard work. It requires determination commitment and focus on what you are doing. I think for me I I I, I was prepared already that uh, anytime a move can come I've been, uh, been exposed to some professional games we, we had the Africa Cup we had the World Cup so I think I was exposed so much and uh, I think the move was not a surprise to me. just came on a good time and on a, on a good note when I was ready for it.
3: And you're now playing
0: your football in Austria. Was it everything that you had hoped it would be? Was it hard at first to adapt? Yes, at first, oh, it's always a difficult thing
1: because you don't know the people, you don't know the philosophy, don't know the weather, which is you know. Thank God that a uh, friend person that was close to me to tell me because he came earlier here in Austria, so he was there to to advise me how things should be done. Luckily, that I I updated so well. It didn't give me much pressure. didn't give me much, uh, much challenges. So, yeah, that's how, that's how I adapted to Austrian football now. I live my, my
3: my my expectations. And the team is happy about me, my, my performance. About and Enoch,
0: I know your Christian faith is very important to you on and off the pitch. How much of that faith in Jesus helps you? As a footballer, my faith in football, not only okay in football,
1: but specifically in my life, um, God has really helped me so far. Things uh, is a God who makes a way where there is no way, and I believe that he's uh, the creator of the heavens, is the creator of the earth, and all things of the earth it happens for God's blessing. Even if we may face challenges, we may face bad situations, situations in life, but if the Bible says in, in Hebrews 11 that if you believe and have trust in the Lord and have faith in you, you have what you have, what you need, what your heart desires to at that particular time. So as a footballer, as I, you know, as a footballer, I desire to be like who I am today, pray football new lord pray football at the topmost level. And if our faith in the Lord, always worshiping Him day and night, meditating about His Word, I think that is the only solution of prosperity and success, because also the Bible says that uh, in Jeremiah 29, that uh, He has promised us to make us prosper and succeed in everything we do, no matter what we may pass. I know football is a a challenging sport. It involves a lot of things, but... uh, if you have God by you, by your side, everything is possible. Uh, that's why today I live a life of faith in Him because He has helped me a lot of ways from my my base up to now in my career, and I and I still hold my faith in Him and I believe that one day God will will, will still be raising me high. And one day, if I die, <laughs> there will be salvation at the end of the day, judgment of the end of the day. So. It's good to do things uh, in a Christianity way that, uh, that not only for the world, but also for our salvation after or after life. This is uh, why I
0: That's Zambia and Brighton midfielder Enoch Mwepu, the interview taken from our archive that was back in 2018 when Mwepu spoke to Liam Flint on his football and his faith, how he made it to Europe and the inspiration he has as a follower of Jesus. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and our website is planetsport.tv. And in the blog section there, Russ Bravo reflects on the Olympic Games and writes about learning the secret of contentment. As there was joy and disappointment at the Tokyo Games, as some won medals and many didn't, Russ looks at how, win or lose, we can be content in our heart. That's on our website, planetsport.tv, and you'll find it in the blog section. Now to social media. Last week we asked, what do you think about the Africa Cup of Nations draw? Uh, The draw for the 2021 edition was made last week. It sees the host Cameroon playing Burkina Faso in the opening game. So last week we asked, which do you think is the toughest group? And if your team is there, what do you think about their chances following the draw? With your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ifrem Tagu.
4: Uh, Thanks Steve and we start today on Facebook with uh, Juma Ashraf in Burkina Faso who says It's a great draw this time and uh, Group E will be tough with Ivory Coast and the Holders Algeria. And Akival Ubani in Nigeria agrees. Group E will be the toughest says Akival. And also on Facebook uh, Charles Mayen in Kenya says Group C is the group of death with Morocco, Ghana and Gabon alongside poor Comoros. Meanwhile, Rahman Sheikh Hussein in Ethiopia says, It's a nice and fair draw for my country, Ethiopia, in Group A, with Cameroon, Burkina Faso and Cape Verde. To What's Up Now and Modest in the DRC says, According to my analysis, the most difficult group is perhaps Group C because it has Morocco, Ghana and Gabon. And Smart Eddie in Uganda agrees, I think Group C is the toughest group, says Smart Eddie. And he continues, my country Uganda isn't there, but I wish all the best to Senegal. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport of Football Africa. And Brima Kante in the Gambia is very optimistic about his country's chances. Our beloved Scorpions, we are drawn in Group D together with Mali, Tunisia and Mauritania which is a very fair draw for us. The two countries in that group are known to us, and they are our neighbors, Mauritania and Mali, and we will perform well, I believe. I'm hoping and praying my beloved country can qualify to the next stage. We are all proud of the Scorpions for the first time ever. We will not be supporting Ivory Coast, we will not be supporting Senegal, we will not be supporting Ghana, but we will be supporting our own country, the Gambia, which I'm very much proud of. Yes, and uh, what a proud moment that will be for all Scorpions fans as the Gambia will be playing in the Africa Cup of Nations finals for the first time in their history. Matthew K. Falla in Guinea says, well, I am a supporter of the Leon stars and I hope Sierra Leone will win all of their matches. Well, that will be a tough ask as the Leon Stars find themselves in the very challenging Group E alongside the holders Algeria with Ivory Coast and Equatorial Guinea as well. And Shadrach Mwele in DRC believes the champions will come from that group. I think from the bottom of my heart that Algeria is the strongest team in the tournament and they will surely take the African Football Cup, says Shadrach. Mustafa Jallo in the Gambia sees Group C as the toughest group. A Group C with Nigeria and Egypt is the group of death, says Mustafa. And my country, the Gambia, will surely do well. And Amadou Baji, also in the Gambia, agrees with Mustafa on both counts. I think Group C is the toughest group because Ghana, Morocco and Gabon are all powerhouses and great footballing nations, says Amadou. My country, the Gambia, is in Group F, which is a fair draw to me. I have the confidence that Gambian football is improving and we will make it if the boys maintain the consistency which they displayed during the qualifications when they top to the group ahead of Gabon and DR Congo it will be our maiden appearance and we will give it all we've got uh, meanwhile, Jelanding Chelsea Johnny in the Gambia is nervous uh, for his uh, country's team. Uh, the draw is very fair and balanced, but I'm just worried about my country because this is our first participation in the Afghan finals, uh, says Jelanding. I know experience counts for a lot, but nonetheless, I hope we'll go through to the semi-finals. Uh, Kone Kele Abu Baka is in the Ivory Coast. Uh, for me, Group A with the hosts Cameroon is the spiciest group, says Kone. And the opening game between the hosts and Burkina Faso testifies this And because the two teams are strong and important on the continent. But overall, I can't hide my patriotism as an Ivorian and because nothing is more important than my country. We have good players with a great coach, so I am optimistic about our chances to be at least in the top four. And why not go all the way and try to win it for a third title in our history? And finally, let's hear two comments from the host, Country Cameroon. First, here's a voice note from Esunge, who believes that all of the groups are evenly matched. I conclude that there is no group of death. It's a very open uh, competition, very open group stage. Everybody can make it. So that is how I look at it. There is no group of death. It's very open for everybody. But on the other hand, the so-called big names that are there in these groups can prove their worth and why not qualify to the next round of the competition. And also in Cameroon, here's a commenter from Suleiman. The Africa Cup of Nations will be interesting this time because of the 24 team format, says Suleiman. My country Cameroon has a good draw in Group A and I think we can get seven points at least to progress and who knows, maybe with the home support we can reach the semi-finals. As for the other teams, we all know what Nigeria and Egypt can do, but I would put my money on Senegal to win the trophy this time, says Suleiman. Uh, So uh, there you have it, uh, Steve. It's uh, fascinating to hear the wide range of thoughts and views uh, from right across the continent on this topic. I think all we can draw from this is to say that Afghan 2021 is looking like being another completely engaging and captivating competition. Oh,
0: yes, absolutely it is. Uh, Thanks a lot, Ephraim. That's the Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Thanks to everyone who got in touch. It's always great to hear from you. Right to the English Premier League, joined now by our European football expert, Stuart Weir in the UK. Liverpool-Chelsea on Saturday is the big game of the weekend. Uh, Stuart, what do you think of Chelsea's new signing, Romelu Lukaku? Uh, What's he going to do for the Blues?
3: Well... Lukaku was simply the difference between Chelsea and Arsenal last Sunday. There were so many things to admire about Lukaku. His stats were impressive, eight shots, one goal, three chances created for others. But he was the dominant presence throughout the game. Target man, making runs, creating space, great touch in the ball. You know, his two seasons in Italy seemed to have made him leaner, sharper and better at playing with his back to goal. He has great technical ability and he's very mobile for a big man. And he's a goal scorer. 24 goals for Inter Milan last year and nearly all of them from within the six yard box. Thomas Tuchel collectively said that Lukaku had had so few training sessions with the new teammates. He had given them no instructions, just said, go out and play your natural game. And my goodness, it worked. That Lukaku scored on his second Chelsea debut is no surprise. He had previously scored on his debut for West Brom, Everton, Manchester United and Inter Milan. Um, I have to be honest, Steve, when I heard Chelsea were paying $140 million for a player who had been good but not brilliant in his previous Premier League seasons, I thought it was an awful lot of money. But he already looks a great signing and arguably the goal scorer that Chelsea have been lacking, because for all his good build-up play, Timo Werner, remember he scored two goals every three games for Leipzig, but he only managed one goal and six for Chelsea. And let's never forget that while Lukaku is Belgian, his family are Congolese. By the way, Steve, I think I can reveal why Lukaku left Inter Milan. It's because he's too young to play as a striker in Serie A. AC Milan have signed Olivier Giroud, just a month short of his 35th birthday, to play alongside Zlatan Ibrahimović, who's 39. Yes, 39. And Juventus' Ronaldo will be 37 early in the next year. Inter have just signed Eden Deco, 35, while Goran Panev is still playing for Genoa at thirty-eight. But I can tell you one thing, going back to Lukaku, if he can score at Liverpool this weekend, he really will be a Chelsea hero.
0: Yeah, indeed. And amazing statistics on the ages of some of those strikers in Italy. Now, Manchester City take on Arsenal on Saturday. City thrashed Norwich 5-0 last weekend, showing maybe, Stewart why they are the team to fear.
3: Manchester City-Arsenal is a massive game for both teams. City started with a defeat at Tottenham, then followed with that easy victory over Norwich. Whereas Arsenal, playing in their 118th season of professional football, have completed two games without scoring for the first time ever in the league. That Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang has recovered sufficiently from covid To come on as a substitute last Sunday and then score three goals in the League Cup midweek is excellent news for them. But, you know, the Arsenal legend Ian Wright said of Arsenal's defeat to Chelsea that he couldn't see what Arsenal's tactics were or what their game plan was. Quite an indictment of Mikel Arteta. And, of course, Arteta's last job before Arsenal was assistant manager at Manchester City this is such an important game for both sides Manchester City need to show that they are the force that we think they are despite the defeat at Tottenham and Arsenal have somehow got to avoid a third consecutive league defeat I don't think either team really would have wanted this game so early in the season
0: yeah that's a tricky fixture that one and uh, what else have you got for us Stuart
3: um, Arsenal are not the only club in the Premier League waiting for their first goal. Crystal Palace, Norwich City and Wolves have also not scored yet. Wolves, incredibly, had 42 shots and goal in their first two games, just none of them went in. If Manchester United avoid defeat at Wolves this weekend, they will set a new Premier League record of 28 unbeaten away games. The previous record was 27 set by Arsene Wenger's Arsenal Invincibles in 2003-04. Last week I commented on the talent on the Manchester City bench. Well, how about this for a group of Chelsea subs? Kepa, Thiago Silva, N'Golo Kante, Ben Chilwell, Hakan Ziyech, Callum Hudson-Odoi, Kurt Zuma, and Timo Werner. Now, if you're a Chelsea youth player wondering if you might get a game in the first team, you must be shaking your head at the number of seasoned internationals unable to get in the starting lineup. I thought it was great to see Dele Alli starring and scoring for Tottenham at Wolves. Remember just a few months ago, his confidence seemed to be shot to pieces when Jose Mourinho wouldn't even play him, but he has been revitalised by Nuno And incidentally, Harry Kane came on as a substitute for the last 20 minutes of that game. With Lukaku and Reese James scoring for Chelsea on Sunday, it kept going a sequence in which Chelsea's last 10 goals have been scored by 10 different players. Manchester City profited from a comical own goal against Norwich when Norwich's Grant Hadley tried to cut out a cross, only succeeding in putting the ball in his own net. But the ball struck goalkeeper Tim Krul on the way in and was registered as an own goal by Krul. And as it was in the seventh minute, Krul gained the rather unfortunate distinction of conceding the earliest ever Premier League own goal by a goalkeeper. Defeat by Liverpool leaves Norwich bottom of the table and as the season ended today... Newly promoted Norwich would be relegated, to be replaced by the top two in the Championship, West Brom and Fulham. Uh, hang on a moment, weren't they relegated last season? You know, promotion and relegation really can be a revolving door. Finally Steve, in the days of squad numbers, I want to tell you that Burnley's starting 11 at Liverpool were numbered 1 to 11. And the last time that happened in the Premier League was in 1998 when Charlton Athletic did it.
0: Oh yeah, just like in the old days, many, many years ago when a matchday squad would have just 12 players, uh, the starting 11 would have jerseys 1-11 to and number 12 would be the one substitute. Well, thanks a lot, Stuart. Uh, That's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers, and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.